Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Outside the Sheds. Shedheads, welcome back. And if you didn't notice, yeah, you probably did because you guys are some of the smartest podcast listeners out there. I said, welcome, welcome, welcome three times. Three times is going to be magic. It's going to be the the phrase of this episode's of this episode, I guess it would just be this episode, right? Uh, it is a magical time. And any time we are able to see greatness personified in sport, it is something to be cherished, but it's also something to be celebrated. Because one of the reasons that it makes it so great is because it doesn't happen often. And in our day-to-day rigors of life where we uh, get so caught up in our own lives where we don't pay attention maybe to as much of what's going on around us. And we could say that is something that's by every means happening right now in this country and around the world. We sometimes have to take that step back and really look when greatness comes in front of us, when we are able to watch it, and we're able to just kind of drink it and breathe it in. And as I go into that, and I went on that little diatribe about greatness and the three times of the charm, we say that because we are now able to celebrate a back-to-back-to-back champion. Let's say that one more time. A back-to-back-to-back grand final champion. The St. Helens Saints did that this last Saturday, and won their third consecutive grand final. And I've got to tell you, Shedheads, you know, I picked the Catlins Dragons. It was not a great finals picking extravaganza experience for your Shed Adamas like it was the last year. But again, one thing you will always say is Vegas is always going to usually win in the end, right? So we stayed above the curve and we stayed positive for most of our picks and we will continue to do that. But I will tell you this this final season has definitely drawn blood on us a little bit. And I did really believe that the Catlins Dragons had I think the one intangible and that was was James Maloney that I thought would help take them over the line. And if you remember me telling you last week uh, my keys to winning uh, the grand final. I thought that 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 Maloney and Drinkwater uh, would be able to and, and would have to conduct traffic to win the grand final. And even though Maloney had an all right game and Drinkwater proved that you know he, that his kicking game is is still up and up. Um, you know, three times is a charm. That's all you can say. Um, because Christian Wolf's boys did it. They they. They didn't panic when they were behind early in the in the in the match, and they found a way to come over the top and win that third consecutive grand final. And I, you know, we see in the NRL, we see you know the the West Tigers and the excuse me the Richmond Tigers. You wish West Tigers, the Richmond Tigers and the AFL, uh, they couldn't even win three in a row. 
you know, with, with the best player possibly, I still say in the game with Dustin Martin, um, you just, it, it's just very tough because you have to continue to have this feeling that you're being slighted, one, that two, you have something to prove, and to keep that hunger flowing is the, is the I would say, the, the key intangible that is very tough for a lot of teams to, to continue to hold on to. And the Saints, for some reason, really have that ability. They, they, they don't always have the same players year after, you know, year after year. Uh, I know they've got, they'll ha- they always have Roby there. Um, I think he'll probably, probably be planted at midfield there when his time is up because he's been to 10 grand finals. Um, but to have those three components are what are the ingredients you have to have to be a multiple time back to back to back champion or even a back to back champion. I'm saying, look how hard it was for Penrith to win just one grand final. And a lot of people think they were the best team two years in a row, and they could only get one out of two. So for 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 St. Helens to do this with the bullseye on their back, I think to me is what shows a true champion. And, then, and that's not to take anything away from the Catlins Dragons, because the Catlins Dragons played a spirited, hard-fought game as well. Um... And that's how this game started. It was very physical from the beginning. Uh, St. Helens really took it to Catlins, and Catlins had to hold their line a lot uh, in their in their end, uh, defending their line as St. Helens just continued to go after. Um, and I and it, and that says a lot. And and it to me it showed that the Dragons were there, definitely there to fight, and were definitely there to play. Um, and I think the guy that stood out during that time period in the beginning was Kevin Nagama. And Nagama was going to end his Super League career firing. He was attacking the line. He was looking like like Kevin Nagama, young Kevin Nagama, running around with Teddy and Mitchell Moses and the boys uh, with the West Tigers. And it was so good to see Kevin Nagama because I think... I know how tough it's been for him and his family over the last year with him having his child and 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 some of the trials and tribulations that have gone with that, having to sit in the parking lot and listen to his child being born. Um, but Agama's going back home. He's coming back to Australia, going back to Australia, no matter how you want to say it. Uh, and it right now looks like uh, this was going to be his last match, except I think he's going to still try to play for Fiji since he is the captain for the... Um, uh, for the Rugby League World Cup next year. Because uh, he would be playing this year, but hey, welcome to pandemic era. So Nagama was firing, uh, and, and, and and the Saints looked like they were they were up for this. They were up for the three-peat. But no matter how much that attacking continued, the funny thing about it was the Catalans Dragons were the team that opened and broke the deadlock of 0-0 with a penalty, uh, tr- a penalty goal by by James Maloney. Today's the lead to nothing. Um, and and I think that to me showed how this was not like a Catlins team from the past. And we know that Catlins, you know, winning the the cha- the, the, the cup a couple day a couple years ago, um, that they were a team on the rise, a team that was finding belief, and, and I don't think we can really put into words how much uh 
Steve McNamara has added to that club, the belief that he's brought to that club. Um, because a lot of people for, for a countless amount of years thought that Catlins had the chance to be a special club, but they couldn't, they didn't ever show up for the big, big games. So with the Dragons up 2 nothing, uh, the game really kicked off then because Nagama gets the try to really start to cement his place in grand final history, and it was going to be a day for that. His ninth of the season uh, at the 12-minute mark. But Lachlan Coote, on his last match for the for the St. Helens Saints, because he's going to Hall Kingston Rovers next year, missed the conversion. So it's 4-2 Saints. Coote gets another penalty goal kick in the 21st moment. Excuse me, for 21st minute. Let's say minute. It could be a moment. Uh, and the Saints are now up 6-2. Five minutes later, Maloney gets a penalty goal uh, in the 26th minute bringing it to 6-4, and the game is really now in the throes of back and forth. You know, it was it was really incredible seeing Sam Tompkins play, because I don't think any of us are going to know how the Man of Steel's uh, leg truthfully was, how his knee truthfully was. You know, he strapped it up, you know, looked like the mummy, and went out there and played a really spirited match. I'm saying knowing that Tompkins was probably more hurt than he was going to ever let on, uh, he did not make mistakes. Uh, he was sound in his, in, his, uh, in, his, in his kicks that he, that he received, uh, and he was always attacking whenever he had a chance. So I was very happy for Sam Tompkins. I know the results didn't end the way that he was hoping for, but to be able to play that way in a grand final when it looked like, you know, that it was still up in the air if he was even going to be able to take the field for the match was something was something good to see. Uh, and then uh, off a drink water kick, Mike, Mike McKechn, I guess, McKeekin, McKechn, uh had a try in the 49th minute and Maloney again, being James Maloney, makes the conversion, giving the Dragons a 10-6 to lead. And... It's getting late. It's getting late in the match. You can kind of feel that that Catlins is, I don't want to say we're, was holding on, but again, they're trying to hold back history. They're trying to hold back a club that doesn't get held back when they don't want to be held back. And, you know, the thing about this match that was so cool was it was a replay after of a probably the greatest match of this season, which we talked about last week, uh, that magic weekend game where the Catlins Dragons came back with like five minutes to go, tied it, put it into Golden Point, and Maloney kicked that Golden Point game. Um, so head-to-head this season, Catlins led the head-to-head two, two games to one. So the Dragons felt confident where they were at but you still, to be the man, you have to beat the man. And we talk about this all the time. There's something about a team that thinks that they are that they have destiny in their corner. A team that feels like they can do anything they have to do to win the big game. And that's what happened. Uh, Kevin Agama in the 60, 65th minute, taking a, a grubber from Lomax, scores a try. 
Now he earns it because he pretty much gets knocked out, and that's the last time we see Kevin Nagama on the field for the rest of the game. It was good to see him be able to make it back to the sidelines for the ending, to be able to, how should I say, feel like he's going to throw up and then celebrate at the same time because that game after that was pretty incredible. That last 13 minutes was back and forth. And Catlin's pushed and pushed and pushed, you know. There was just a couple key moments, you know, a, a, a little bit of an off drink water pass to uh, Tompkins uh, in, you know, as they were attacking the try line was a big mistake and then a, a, a I don't want to say it was a bad call but it was a bad call uh, a play of the ball that was ruled against Sam Tompkins for a bad play of the ball even though a player had his head between his knees so he really couldn't get up and they gave that back to St. Helens but besides those two moments it really looked like that it flipped that, that, that St. Helens was trying to get out of their minds what Catlins had done to them um, a few weeks ago at, at, at the Magic Round. But they did it. And again, like I said, champions find a way to stay champions and to be champions. Um, and again, that's taking nothing away from the Catlins Dragons because I think Catlins feel that the game was theirs for the taking as well. But they just came up with a team that somehow always finds a way to win. And a team, I think, that knew that some key, key uh, pieces were not going to be there after that match. Um, and and it was, a, it was a really good grand final. I don't think anybody, you know, no matter if you were rooting for Catlins or, or rooting for the Saints, you know, besides the fact you might not have won it, I think you had both teams were very proud of their clubs. Both clubs left it all out on the field. And you have to really admit that both clubs played, you would have to say, up to their potential. Um, for, you know, because neither one of those teams could go to the sheds after the match and say, we just didn't play well. That's not the case. Both teams played very, very well. Um, and like every player thinks they can do another 5% more. But Catlins and St. Helens, the champs, played and gave us a grand final that everyone could enjoy that had all types of footy uh, from attacking footy to to some incredible defensive footy uh, and and besides the Sam Tompkins call um, about you know the play of the ball um, not a bad officiated match as well um, so I enjoyed it I thought it was an incredible match uh, I will say uh, I was very 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 happy to see Kevin Nagama win the, the Harry Sunderland Trophy. I thought it was a epic and incredible way for him to end his tenure with St. Helens and his career in the Super League. Uh, I've always been a huge Nagama fan. Uh, I was a huge Nagama fan when he was with the Tigers. And again, one of those players the Tigers let go that I think was very, very key. I think whenever you let a captain of a national team go, uh, I think you might want to look in the mirror and, and, and really start to rethink about your your thought process but it was good to see Nagama and, and, and like I said the big rumor is that that was his last match that he was going to play for a club but then he came out three days after the grand final and said that if a club comes sniffing around in the NRL that he would be interested in, in talking to them and seeing about possibly playing again he's in great shape 
Uh, the question just is how much hunger he has, how much strike he has, um, and, and if that's what he really, really wants to do. So um, thank you, Bedford Super League, for completing a grand final. I will say that I wasn't too fond of the pre pregame music. You know, I'm so used to seeing like the Charlatans or James or Shed 7 or good bands like that play it and, and having just a DJ that was kind of eh, anticlimactic. But to me, that was about the only black eye of the entire day. So um, thank you again. I think just like I said to the NRL, just like I said to the AFL, I don't think you guys deep down know what that means that you completed a competition again for the second time during these crazy times that you allow fans who might that might be the only type of normalcy they're able to hold on to during this time um, of lockdowns and and vaccinations and mask mandates and all of that the sports found a way to continue to go on and that none of these clubs lost players for COVID uh, for this grand final. Uh, again, to me, hats off to both teams and to the Bedford Super League for, again, another completion to a season. And can't wait to see you guys in 2022. Now, as we go on to the 40-20, we're going to stay over in the Super League because another monumental moment happened in the game of Rugby League. And that is that next season, the Bedford Super League, we're going to have two sides from France because the Toulouse Olympic team defeated the Featherston Rovers 34-12 to in the million-pound game to get promoted to the Super League next year. And like I said, this is two French clubs now that are going to be competing on the largest stage. And both of these clubs, Toulouse and Featherston have been creeping around on the outside. That's a clawing sound. Shedheads, that's a clawing sound. They've been clawing to get into the Super League. They've been right there. And you have to feel for Featherston. This is their second time in four years in the million pound game. One, I think they 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 lost, you know, it's just it's just sad to see because you know they're right there. And you know you can't keep all those players. I'm saying some of these lower sides like that that are trying to get in. You know, we watched we watched the Toronto Wolfpack um, two years in a row. They lost it the first year about making it into the Super League, and then they finally came back and they did it that next year. So you just hope Featherston has the fight, the strike, and the players to make another run next year to get probably something they very much deserve. But you also have to be just over the moon happy that another French side is going to be in the show, the big league, next year. And the crazy thing about this this Toulouse team is they've got quite a few Catalans. They've got Tony, uh, Tony Gigo. He's on that Toulouse team. They've got quite a few players that play with Catalans too um, that are, again, helping that French rugby league really push forward uh, and, and be noticed on the in the international game, or should I say in the club game, but also internationally. So congratulations to Toulouse uh, to, for them to be able to, how should I say, represent France in the Super League next year in the 2022 season. Uh, now, we're going to keep in this promotion thing because it's exciting. It's exciting to see clubs be able to 
to, to, to be able to achieve what every club wants to be, and that's to be on the main stage, the big stage, to be able to, to compete for big trophies, but also to be acknowledged as one of the big boys. And that has happened. Like we predicted last week, it became official. The NRL has their 17th club that will start begin play in 2023. And that club is, drums please, the Red Cliff Dolphins. The Red Cliff Dolphins have been announced as the 17th club in NR- to, to be in the NRL starting in 2023. Now, one of the things that's already happened for the Red Cliff Dolphins is they have dropped the Red Cliff in their names. Uh, they are just going to be considered the Dolphins. I don't know how long that will be this way. They're not going to be called the Gold Coast Dolphins. They're not going to be called anything else. They want to just be known as the Dolphins. One of the reasons they say they want to do this is because they want the team not to just be considered a Brisbane club, which is kind of crazy because the NRL was pushing to get another Brisbane Queensland club, but they want to be a team that people from all around the country and the world can follow. And I think that's cool. I think that's thinking outside the box a little bit. Um, like like, Like one of the big wigs for the club said, who can't love a Dolphin? Dolphins go with Australia. Well, I think Dolphins go for everybody. Ask the Miami Dolphins. The question is, in their first season, who will have more wins? That in 2023, the Miami Dolphins or just the Dolphins of the NRL? I think I'm betting on the NRL, but that's me. Um, Now, a little history about the Dolphins. Sorry, Redcliffe. I know you've worked so hard to be considered Redcliffe. You're just going to be called the Dolphins. The club was founded in 1947, and it competed both in the Brisbane Rugby League and the Queensland Cup. They have six premierships in the Queensland Cup out of 11 grand final appearances. So there's quite a bit of success with the club, and I think that's another reason that they might have gotten the nod. Besides money. That's maybe another reason they got the nod. Besides money. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about replaying that. Uh, but they do have history for being a team that competes and in a winning club. Uh, they play to play. They excuse me. They plan to play their games at Suncorp Stadium and also at at Morton Daly Stadium too. So they're going to try to keep a little bit of that Redcliffe in there by p- trying to play some matches to make sure they don't try to, they don't totally give the don't argue to Redcliffe. Uh, so that's nice that they're going to be able to take some some of the games to a little bit more grassroots, a little bit of that feeling. And I think we we got to get that feeling this year um, with all the clubs moving up to Brisbane uh, and Queensland for the last part of the season. We got to see how much it's really nice to grow grassroots and to, to let the, 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 you know, the, the country people feel and to see the game that they love so much. Um, and I think it's official... Uh, I've read two different reports, but I think it's official that Wayne Bennett is going to sign, if he hasn't already, a three-year deal to coach the club. And that might be the biggest understatement because I think Wayne Bennett was going to either one of the three clubs that got the quote-unquote nod to be the 17th team. We knew Wayne was going to go back up there, and now he's got himself a club, it looks like. So Wayne will only be out of the game for for one year, uh, and he'll be 
busy because he's going to be trying to set up players and finding out what he's going to have to try to coach in 2023. So congratulations to the Dolphins on their 17th selection as an NRL club. And looking forward to you guys uh, in 23 and also looking forward to some of the big signings that you guys are going to make um, that are going to make you competitive. And the question is, and that's the one I think all of us are thinking, does this mean that Cameron Munster will be your first big signing if he can stay clean? So uh, congratulations, Dolphins, and welcome to the big leagues. Now, a, a team that has fought to stay in the big leagues, and thank God relegation is impossible right now in the NRL, but big moves. We've talked over and over and over again that Tim Sheens is coming back to the West Tigers. The Tim Sheens is going to have key says in what the West Tigers do going forward. Well, I think we found out that Tim Sheens is now going to be not just having input, but that Tim Sheens is going to be the catalyst that's going to help the Tigers hopefully get out of their doldrums and of their underachieving ways. Because Tim Sheens has been named the director of football for the Tigers, which means he is going to have total power over all the football decisions for the West Tigers. The only thing that Tim Sheens hasn't been handed is a whistle yet to just come back and to coach the West Tigers. Now, we're not saying the season's not going to end with Tim Sheens not the coach of the West Tigers. Uh, Right now, that still goes to Michael Madge McGuire. But right now, Tim Sheens is the power broker that is going to, how should I say, play with all those marionette strings and, 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 and make big calls. And I think the biggest call we all know is what is going to happen with Brooks. Luke Brooks, Luke Brooks, Luke Brooks. And I don't think any of us know. I know a lot of us are big Jackson Hastings fans and are excited to see Jackson Hastings in the halves. But I don't know how many people are really excited that Luke Brooks is going to come back in the halves. And they're saying that Jackson Hastings will be able to conduct traffic a little bit and allow Luke Brooks to run. But the question is, does Luke Brooks still have it in him to run? Because if Luke Brooks doesn't run, Luke Brooks isn't the player that a lot of people think won him the Daily M halfback of the year in 2018. But I don't know, was that just a, a, a mirage in the desert? Or if he really has that in him. I myself, I've told you this over and over, Shedheads, think that a change of scenery would have been the best case scenario for Luke Brooks. There was talk that there was there was a, a chance of him moving to Sticky and the boys down in green country for the Raiders. But the, the Tigers were asking way more than the Canberra Raiders were willing to give up for Luke Brooks. And you're talking about a halfback that has still never played finals football why am I giving you anything for 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 a halfback that hasn't proven himself on the big stage and and so the Raiders said now nah, we're good and the Tigers saying oh we still have him so that is some huge news now this deal for Tim Sheens looks like it's a three-year deal that is going to give him a million dollars so that is that is pretty big that is pretty big, and, and I think that is a bold, bold move for for them. Now, staying with the Tigers, some other big news for the West Tigers, and I don't know if this is going to get done. I think that it's probably going to get done. I don't know what messages this is sending to uh, Simkin 
and to Jacob Little. But the West Tigers are circling Josh Hodgson from the Canberra Raiders. And it looks like Madge and Sticky are talking about this and that this job, that this deal is only being held back because they're waiting for Tim Sheens to get boots on the ground in Australia. But it looks like the Tigers are trying to get Josh Hodgson on the two-year deal. Now, right now, he's got another year left at 800000 for the Canberra Raiders. But I think it's going to come down to money. And it's going to come down to if he wants to actually sign or if a two-year deal is actually presented to him by the West Tigers. Uh, again, it, it, it makes you kind of look and go, well, I guess you guys are giving back up on Jacob Little and Jake Simpkin on being your future rakes for the club. And you, how many times does Jacob Little have to keep being told, here are the keys for the car, and then yank it out and say, no, 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 not that car. Sorry about that. Not that car. And you wonder what that's going to do to his confidence, into the ability for him to really take some ownership for this club that I think a rake slash hooker needs to be a true leader. But uh, I'm I'm interested to see what happens. I think there's a lot of moving parts up there. You know, you got Tyrone Peachy that's coming up there. Um, you know, you've got the guy to me that was the player of the of of the Tigers last year, even though we all know that they gave it to Luke Brooks. But Adam Dewey is going to be out for most of next season. So, uh, you know, the guy that I think was the best player for the club isn't even going to be there at the club for a lot of the season. And, and that means that, once again, Jackson Hastings is going to pit, have to pick up a lot of that slack. But Luke Brooks is going to have to show that he deserves how should I say, to stay with the West Tigers or if he deserves to stay, um, you know, in the upper echelons of quote-unquote halfbacks in the NRL. Now, in other key moves that have happened this week, uh, Michael Cheekham has signed a one-year deal to go to the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, A lot of us know Cheekham from his days with Manly and especially his last few years uh, with the West Tigers. But that could be a big pickup. And, I, and I'm going to say this right now. Certain teams aren't able to get the best out of club, out, out of the player. And I would have to say right now, the West Tigers are very bad at getting the best out of players. Um, so it's going to be kind of fascinating to see what the uh, what the Rabbitohs can turn Michael Cheekam into. And if he becomes a player that I think a lot of people feel that he always was going to be, and that is a guy that's playing... Uh, in the with the main side week in and week out. Now, as as good of news as that is for Michael Cheekham, you have some really troubling news with Ash Taylor because Ash Taylor, who played 18 games last year for for the Gold Coast Titans, almost said Gold Coast Suns there for a second. Gold Coast Titans, the best that Ash Taylor could get is a train and trial deal with the New Zealand slash Vodafone Warriors, who are going to be based out of Redcliffe next year. Thank you again, pandemic. But Ash Taylor couldn't even get a deal to be a halfback slash uh, 5'8 for a club. He has to do a train and trial deal. Wow. I, you know, I think Ash Taylor has to show that Ash Taylor wants to play in the big upper echelon game of rugby league I think that I think clubs are tired of watching Ash Taylor look like he's he's 
dialed in one week and the next week you're like, where's he at? Is he even in the stadium right now? So Ash Taylor is going to have a chance to try to prove that he deserves more than a possible one-year deal with the club. Um, but I don't think anybody's going to say that he doesn't have the talent to not make that move. The question is, does he want to put the sacrifice to stay in the game uh, and to continue to be a player that was on a million-dollar contract a season for the Titans? Think about that. Ash Taylor is making that type of money. Um, but the question is, will he be able to live up to ever making anything close to that ever again? Or will he even be able to find a club? Now, more Gold Coast Titans news. It became official that Jamal Fogarty is now going to be in the Habs for the Canberra Raiders because he signs a three-year deal. And he's going to be partnering Jack Whiten in the, Habback, in the Habs. So that could be a, a dynamic uh, Habs pairing with with Whiten and Fogarty. Been a big fan of, of, of Fogarty. I think that he kind of got a raw a raw deal with the Titans. But hey, he got to parlay that into a three-year deal with, with Canberra. Now to me, the whole thing is how he gels with Sticky. Uh, because it, is he that type of player? I think he does. I think he is very strong-willed. I think that he he has a lot of internal belief in himself. And those are all things you have to have to play for, for Ricky Stewart. So congratulations for him for getting a three-year deal and possibly getting uh, more of a fair shake, I think, that he really, really deserves. So it's congratulations there to Jamal Fogarty. Now, we're going to go back across the pond, back over to the Super League, because a guy that didn't get to play in the grand final for St. Helens, but one of the best halves in the Super League competition, Theo Farge, uh, the, the, the French international, has signed a three-year deal to play with the Huddersfield Giants. Um, so that is going to be very important because I think what that's going to mean is they're going to put Theo Farge in the halves with Aiden Caesar. I think that's probably what the game plan is. Uh, I have not heard anything about Aiden Caesar moving on. So that could be a, a really exciting halves combination, Farge and Aiden Caesar. Um, but three-year deal, he says he's very excited to to get to Huddersfield, uh, and we'll just have to see what Theo Farge has left in the tank. And then in more Super League news, Callum McClelland and uh, Mahe Fanua from Tigers fame uh, have both signed deals to go to the Castleford Tigers. McClelland's on a two-year deal. Fanua is on a one-year deal. So Castleford, a club that had a little success a couple years ago, uh, is trying to, how should I say, shore up some of the tough guys to see if they can make another move to get back up and possibly visit Old Trafford themselves next season. So that's going to call to an end the 40-20. Let's go on to a little bit of the happenings going on in the AFL. Let's go on to On the Mark over there. And um, I, I, a place that I was supposed to visit before the pandemic kicked in, uh, the great state of Tasmania, uh, Alex Sir Clarkson, uh, the ex-coach for the Hawthorne Hawks, and we know the the, the relationships Alistair Clarkson has formed in Tasmania. We know what Tasmania means to him, uh, being I'd say a, a, a club that the Tasmania loves, a club that that uh, embraced Tasmania. But Alistair Clarkson has been appointed to the Tasmanian State Task Force to try to obtain and become the AFL's 19th club. And that's going to be exciting. I, I hope the Tasmania does get a club 
they've put in. They show up. I'm saying if you didn't see how crazy and, and fanatical that crowd was in Tasmania uh, for the dogs match in Essendon, uh, you missed something special. Uh, that was that was really cool to see. And every time Tasmania has a chance to show that they are willing to to support a club, um, I think they put their time in. And hopefully, with a with a coach and a in a man that is so respecting the game as Alistair Clarkson, he can help get this thing done, and we can get Tasmania as as number nineteen for the AFL. Now, talking about Americans in the AFL, we don't get to do that often, but we are going to now. Mason Cox from the Pies, from Collingwood, looked like he was going to be moving on from Collingwood. Looked like he was going to start accepting offers from a few other clubs. But it looks like that has now been put to bed because, which we'll talk about here a little bit later here in the trade tracker, Max Lynch was traded to the Hawthorne Hawks, which opens up the ruck position, which Mason Cox is going to slide right into. So Coxie is now going to stay uh, your favorite American down for the prison bars of the Collingwood Magpies. And I think he's pretty excited about that. I, I think it's always means something to be able to stay at a club that you can say has been your club from the beginning, a club that believed in him early on. So really nice, really exciting to see. Uh, but congratulations for Coxie, the American, to be able to quote-unquote uh, stay with Collingwood. Now, I want to go over the trade tracker. I promised you Shedheads last week we were going to finish this thing up strong and we were going to go over some of the last moves for the last days of the trade period. Uh, but let's go over those. Uh, Collingwood is going to receive Patrick Lipinski from the Dogs. Adelaide receives Jordan Dawson from the Swans. The Brisbane Lions are going to receive Darcy Fort from the Cats. The Cats receive Jonathan Segler from the Hawks. Fremantle is receiving Jordan Clark from the Cats. Hawthorne, the Hawks are going to receive Max Lynch from the Pies, which we were talking about. That's a big move with Big Ruckman. And the Sydney Swans receive Peter Laddams from the Port Adelaide Power. So, some big moves, I guess. Uh, I, I I don't want to say any really groundbreaking moves. I think a lot of the groundbreaking moves... Uh, that happened happened early on in the trade period. You know, I know Chole going up to the Suns uh, was a big, big move for him, and I think for the Suns to say that they're trying to win. Um, but that's going to bring the, the the trade period uh, to a halt. Uh, I know that there are quite a few guys that did not move. I know Sam Powell Pepper for the Port Adelaide Power. Um, there was talk about him possibly going back to the West Coast. Um, that did not happen, and. And I have to admit, I'm kind of happy that didn't happen because I think Sam Powell Pepper has the real possibility to be a very important key component for Port Adelaide going forward. Now, the, the, the big thing for Sam Powell Pepper is SPP is going to have to show that he's ready to take that on. Sam Powell Pepper, I don't want to say has underachieved, but Sam Powell Pepper has by no means been... Um, the player that a lot of people thought he was going to be for the last couple of seasons. He's had some some off-field uh, situations um, that I think he's got to shore up. And I think he's got to come into camp this year beyond fit and ready to go and try to take one of those halves positions that I think he has every... I think he has every... Uh, he has all the talent to do it. The question is, does he still have the hunger to push himself 
and to get himself where he needs to be to be that type of player. Uh, I know he's got an incredible relationship with Travis Boak. He's lived with Travis Boak before. Um, and I don't, I can't think of a better player to follow the lead than Travis Boak. But that's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what uh, SPP does and if he actually uh, can take one of those has positions next year for the power. Now, I want to go into the guns and the guns. You take the S off. We got one gun this week. That one gun would be the Harry Sutherland Trophy winner, Kevin Agama. Again, going out with a bang with his 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 beloved Saints winning that award. Nagama, two tries, 147 running meters, two line breaks, and seven tackle breaks to lead the Saints to their 12-10 grand final victory over the Catlins Dragons. Uh, I would love to see Kevin Nagama play one more season in the NRL, maybe two if he really wants to. Uh, I And I just want it to be with a winner because I think they'll see that Kevin Nagama brings that leadership and that captain ability to a side. And I don't think you can put a dollar or a price tag on that uh, for what that can mean to a club. I just want him to get with a club that he doesn't shake his head halfway through the season saying, what am I doing after being with a a, a perennial winner like St. Helens? Now, as we go outside the bubble, uh, I don't even know how much I want to touch this story, but I'm going to have to. John Gruden getting the, how should I say, getting his walking papers from the Los Angeles, excuse me, did I say that? The Las Vegas Raiders. You know, in my lifetime, that team has moved around. They should be called the Gypsy Raiders because they can't ever find a home. But Gruden has been given his walking papers from a, how should I say, trove of emails, excuse me, trove of emails that, let me just say, it does more than just bring a black eye to John Gruden. Um, he says some pretty horrible things about races of people, uh, about people uh, of all types. Let me just put it that way. Uh, now, to me, here's the thing. We all know that John Gruden is opinionated. We all know John Gruden is a little ball of hate at times. But the thing that I, I really want to touch on is that they got a lot of this $65,000 worth of, excuse me, 65,000 emails of information from emails that were sent from Gruden and the Washington football team. And and to me, where there's smoke, there's fire. I think we know that Daniel Snyder uh, needs to go. I think we, we know that some of these owners need to go. We know they're not forward thinking. We know that they do not have open cultures, quote unquote. Uh, and when Dan Snyder got fined $10 million by the NFL instead of moving him on and him appointing his wife in his position, who do you think is still calling the shots there? You guys really believe that Daniel Snyder's wife is not conferring with Daniel Snyder about day-to-day operations or what needs to happen with the Washington football team? If you do, you also think that that COVID is a hoax. You Anyway, I'm not calling names. But what I'm saying is, I think these emails implicate other owners. I think it implicates possibly why minorities aren't being hired in the coaching profession. I think these are some damning, damning emails. And the NL, the NA, excuse me, the NFLPA, the, the National Football League Players Association, 
is now really pushing to get these emails released. Now, just like, uh, you know, certain owners can go and, how should I say, get massages and not have to pay any type of fine or have to live up in the public eye to any of this, it is going to be fascinating to see because I think these guys will do anything they can to try to keep this stuff out because I would not be surprised if there's not emails in there about Colin Kaepernick not being allowed back in the league too. And that's the last thing the NFL can have happen right now when they're trying to act like they care about race relations and that going forward. But don't forget, NFL, you have a 70% league that is black and you have what? Uh, One head coach that's black? Thank you, Mike Tomlin, for, again, being the torchbearer and the last Mohican in the league that's a coach. Uh, Should there be more? Heck yeah, there should be. But, again, if these emails come out, they really could maybe shed light on what's going on. Now, the question to me is, if the NFL, once again, takes a fire to all of them uh, and and acts like nothing is going on, like they're trying to do right now by just making John Gruden the only scapegoat for this situation. But I guarantee you, Shedheads, there's a lot more there. And hopefully, as fans of the game, we'll be able to hold people accountable for bad actions, not just one man. Now, tonight... At 8.07, I think that's first pitch. You've got game five between the San Francisco Giants, Los Angeles Dodgers in San Francisco. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to be a, 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 a one of those masterpieces that you, if you don't watch it, you're going to miss something that everyone's talking about that evening, the next day. Uh, we know that, that Webb is going to start for pitching for the Giants after the gem he threw. But the big question is the Dodgers because I just looked today and they have University of Texas baseball player Corey Knable as their starting pitcher tonight. I would think Urias is going to be the starting pitcher tonight. But again, that's just your Shed Adamas trying to be smart. I'm saying everyone thought Urias was going to be the starting pitcher for this night's game. I'm saying this is a game that it's all hands on deck. This is a steel cage fight with razor blades, chairs, flaming tables, you name it. It's hell in the cell to all my wrestling brothers out there. You're welcome, Dom. But what I'm saying is this game is going to have everything that you possibly can think of, and I cannot wait for it. Uh, I am going to get everything done as soon as I sign off with you guys here in a few moments. I'm going to get my stuff prepared for a game that I think we'll be talking about for a while. So can't wait for Dodgers-Giants game five. And the last thing I want to talk about for outside the bubble is performance. And sometimes when you see a guy that performs and has some greatness behind him, and then the axe cuts his head off, it makes you really kind of question what the hell is going on in sports, shedheads. Because today, the St. Louis Cardinals from Major League Baseball fired their manager that just got them to the playoffs, led them on a 17 winning streak, fired Mike Schilt, their manager. Mike Schilt, who led his team to a 17 game winning streak. Mike Schilt, who almost 
knock the Dodgers out of the wild card game. A manager that has a 252 and 199 record and went 38 for 20 over his last 58 games of the second half of the season. I don't know, I don't understand it. I will tell you Major League Baseball doesn't understand half the things that it does. I don't talk about it a great deal here because it's to me one of the most infuriating sports to cover. I know some people love it. I have a, a spot for it in my heart. Yes, uh, it does mean something to me. Probably more college baseball than pro baseball. But I don't understand some of the decisions. And their director of baseball operations, John Mosliak, came out and said, well, you know, Mike just has a different vision of where we see the Tiger, excuse me, the Cardinals going forward with in the future. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And again, teams, and the, the crazy thing about that is the St. Louis Cardinals are known as one of those organizations that usually kind of get it right. Can't say the St. Louis is one of my favorite cities in this country, but they're a team that you have to give respect to because they usually do things the right way. This, to me, is baffling. Uh, they said that Schultz was shocked, and I don't know how you couldn't be shocked when you break a record uh, that has not been done, winning 17 in a row, and coming in as the team that everyone's, everyone is scared of playing, and you lose your job. Again, Major League Baseball is showing that it can't get out of its own way. Don't forget, Ron Washington, the only manager that has made the Texas Rangers competitive over the last 300 years. Okay, I might have, okay, I might have, okay, maybe not 300 years, but quite a long time, still is not managing in Major League Baseball. The Rangers haven't done anything since Ron Washington was let go. And this guy can't find a gig. And he led the Rangers to, to the World Series. It's insane. Like, again, I'm not wasting anybody else's time talking about Major League Baseball because uh, we don't need to go see counselors and, and, head, and head doctors. Uh, and that's gonna, it's going to push me to that. So, Shedheads, in all sadness, we have to call a close to the 2021 Rugby League season. It's over. We've done it. We've completed it. It's a thing of the past. We're all moving on. Uh, we're now going to have to get ready to see who goes where, who's playing where, all that type of stuff. But your shed, your, your shed of Domus is going nowhere. Uh, our episodes may be a little bit shorter from this time going forward until uh, we start getting some more play. But I do promise you to try to keep the fight alive, to try to bring you a little bit of happiness in this crazy world. Um, but until next week... And I said that right. I will see you next week. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught. You've been listening to Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, your Shed Adamus, Corey Jackson. Until our next meeting, kumbaya. See ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.